0: Hi, good to have you back again on the Bricks and Mortar podcast. Bricks and Mortar podcast buying, selling, renting, or investing in property. You're trying to float your boats and light your candle. Jonathan Williams here, and in this week's show, I'm going to talk networking, I'm going to talk BDMs, the business development managers in my space as far as a mortgage broker is concerned they're forever trying to contact you in order to make sure that they tick the boxes that they see as many of their brokers as possible. It can be a bit of a bugbear speaking and dealing with the business development managers, but if I certainly take the view that they've got a lot of things that they can be telling you and uh, I don't have too much of a problem in uh, meeting them and uh, finding out exactly what's going on with them. And finally, we'll talk about the exams. We've just had the prelims. And uh, yeah, uh, we've had a bit of a kicking as far as the prelims are concerned. And then what we're going to do is the main rump of the show is going to be talking to a guy by the name of Andrew Hosey. Andrew has started up with rent locally it's a letting agency i interviewed him a week or so past and uh, time to get that one on for you guys but listen let's talk networking first of all we've got a networking event that's coming up at the alona hotel and part of that is that i'm going to be doing a talk so if you're free at all on the 23rd of march between the hours of 3 pm and 5 pm we're doing a networking event Going to be a great event in Kilbride Hospice, who I'm raising money for in the Highland Fling, are going to be doing a bit there, uh, and I'm going to be doing a bit about networking. But the whole event really is going to be revolving around networking, so it'll be a great networking opportunity out at the Halona Hotel out at Strathclyde Business Park. I'll tell you more about that as the weeks roll on. But networking, it strange that uh that when you can actually do networking and really networking is something that if you've got your antenna on and your eyes and ears open then networking can be achieved at any location and really with anybody was down doing a park run had a couple of weeks where the kids haven't been playing any hockey and I've ended up being able to get down to the park run which is a 5k run on a Saturday morning and I was running in front of uh, somebody called uh, Julie um, Julie Gordon who was a tennis coach in the West End and if you play tennis you'll know Julie anyway I was chatting to her afterwards um, we ran round together and we were just chatting away about what she was doing and she was telling me that she was doing a psychology course and it just so happened that my brother-in-law does psychology and we're going to sort of hook them up. And then she then introduced me to her brother. Um, As you know, I'm always looking for interviews. Her brother owns a dozen or so properties in and around Glasgow And also down south, she said that he would be really pleased to come on to the show. And then she also is going to make an introduction to one of the directors at Spears Gumley. I've been trying to get the owner of Spears Gumley on the show for a couple of months. Um, And there you go. Um, I've got a lead in there and that's absolutely fantastic. And as as I say, it was the last thing on my mind was that I was going to go down to Park Run uh, and get all these contacts. But it really is just so important when you're doing uh, networking that you just keep your eyes and ears open because your opportunities can really come from the strangest of places. Business development manager as well. There's another topic entirely. So with me in the mortgage space, I get inundated with business development managers from all the major banks and building societies wanting to come and have a chat to me. I think that they have got to tick the boxes and make sure that they see as many of their client advisors as possible. And sometimes you're thinking, you know, what a complete waste of time this is going to be because you just sat sit down, you listen to what they're talking about, listen to their spiel as far as uh, the products are concerned. Um, And I think a lot of brokers maybe take the view, what a complete waste of time. I certainly don't. I think that in order for me to become the best mortgage advisor possible, it's absolutely vital that I master each and every lender out there. So for me to speak to somebody who's got an in-depth knowledge of that particular lender's products is absolutely gold and and really drilling them for uh, information is, is so, so crucial. The amount of times where I've spoken to business development managers and quite literally the next day or the next couple of days a specific aspect that they've spoken to me about that I didn't know has allowed me to ensure that the criteria is ticked for some clients that potentially I would have had to have waded, waded through a dozen or so lenders trying to make sure that we were able to place the mortgage. So to me, business development managers are absolutely vital to meet as many as possible. And one of the ones I, I met just there last week was Craig Bt of Aldermore. Um, now, Aldermore have probably got a a difficult task insofar as a lot of the brokers perceive them not to be the most cost-effective option. And I think it's fair to say that their interest rates are not market-leading, and Craig would probably be the first to say that that was the case. But he is a fantastic business development manager insofar as he has got such an in-depth knowledge of his product that he is able to come up with scenarios where Aldermore becomes the best fit for a particular client. And I think that's the most important aspect of a BDM and anybody in sales, I guess, that you've got to know your product back to front, you've got to believe in your product um, and then if your product isn't ticking the boxes for a lot of your clients... You've got to try and identify what the problem is, and one of the things that all the more have identified is that there sometimes is a lack or an inability, ab- an, an inability for clients to be able to get as much funding out of a project as possible, and that's probably where they fit. Uh, they are very much uh, a type of lender who is prepared to think outside the box with regards to the funding side of things and it was quite an eye-opener to me, um, the way that, that Craig had dealt with uh, the uh, the talk that I'd had with him and, and as I say, hats off to him, um, he's doing a, a good job there at, at Aldermore. We're going to put on the interview with Andrew Hosey in a little while, Andrew's starting up rent locally through here in the west he's previously had some dealings with rent locally through in west lothian and that's where he's started he'd joined the police and really got fed up as far as the police side of things was concerned so we're going to pop that on and then at the back end of that i'll tell you how the prelims have gone i'll catch you on the other side
1: VPN, how did you find that? Yeah, it was actually really good. Yeah, It's quite different to some other networking events. That sort of uh-huh. I
0: came late to the party. Are you turning up? Yes, uh-huh. I ended up, um, I missed, they had a drill at the front end yeah. where
1: they did... Um, speed networking. Yeah, speed networking, how did
0: that work out?
1: It was actually pretty good. Um, sounds a bit sort of funny but it, it was actually a good chance to actually get around the room and speak to a few different other people one yes. of the guys i'd been speaking to had mentioned you know when you go along to a networking event you tend to sort of get comfortable with a couple of people that you're speaking to early on and mm-hmm. sort of s- stand with them yep. pretty much most yep. yep. of the night but um, that was a good way to actually meet a few different people and i actually actually um, managed to get a few cards off some people that are meet meeting uh-huh. later uh-huh. in the week so it's, it's quite beneficial and
0: the fact is that everybody's forced into doing that yeah. and so therefore you have to play by the rules of the game yeah. whereas my bugbear with regards to the networking is that you tend to go in and whilst you might want to go in and, and work the room yeah. If there are people there that know you, they tend to want to migrate to you because mm. of the comfort factor because they don't want to actually go and work the room. But the mm. whole point about going to these things is to try and work the room. So you're you're right that if you get saddled with people that you already know, well, that's fine. I know you. I can go and have a coffee with yeah, you at any exactly. time. Um, I want to try and get to speak to other people.
1: Well I think everybody goes along because they they want to meet... New people, yeah, they're yeah. they're trying to either generate business or um, make new relationships with, with people in the mm-hmm. industry, or they're looking to you know hear the speaker or whatever. But <laughs> you tend to not actually do that all the time. You tend to just say, "Oh, I see him at the last event. I'll just sit and chat with this guy." Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, that was actually quite good, and I said that to uh, sort of Philip, um, Philip and Aaron who were posting yeah. it. Yeah. I, d- I did say that, that was actually pretty good. Uh-huh. Uh, the only thing is, if you're you know, hosting a few of these events and you do it at every event, then um, you could find yourself just going around uh, sort of the same people, if yes. the same attendees. So it might be something to use a bit more sparingly, but uh-huh. um, yeah, it's definitely I, I th-
0: and, and what you'll find as you start to go to these networking events is that there are you know, half a dozen people who are serial networkers, yeah. and, and you're seeing the same, the same, yeah. uh, the same well-kempt faces, and um, and so it's very much incumbent upon those that are organising the event to try and generate new faces. Yeah, get I new guys
1: in, uh, get get new faces in is mm-hmm. probably the best thing. But, or it's you know it keeps the the networking event you know, alive and fresh. Yeah, so I think one
0: of the issues that, that Philip. Um, had faced was that he'd taken over the organising of Mm -hmm. the event and it had Mm -hmm. lay fallow for a couple of months and if you know anything about networking then people need to know that it's a certain day in the month and Mm -hmm. and you just go along to that so when you're not getting any communication that it's on then it can just wither on the vine um, and so he started that back up on the November. Had some numbers in November. They've increased in December, yeah. and in January he said that they had increased again. So
1: well, they both, both Philip and Aaron, both sound like they've got you know, a few good ideas going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they were very keen to get feedback, which is always a good thing. You know what worked, what didn't work. Yeah. Uh, but overall, it's actually really positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, great venue as well.
0: Yeah, it's good at Corinthian, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, is
1: nice. uh, very nice. And it's I thought what was interesting
0: debuff. was that they didn't have you all in rows, yeah. but what they had was that they had desks um, which sat anywhere between three and, and five, and so that sort of made it look as if, I mean, there's a fair few there, but it made it look as if it was maybe busier than it possibly was, and I thought that was quite clever.
1: Yeah, um, it was quite relaxed. Uh as well it wasn't I've been to networking events in the past where it's very structured and we're going to do this for 5 minutes and then this for 15 minutes and then we need to speak for we've got the speaker for exactly this amount of time uh huh it can be quite rigid but it seemed to flow quite nice Mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm. and how did
0: you feel about the cell because one of these things obviously is that there's always a cell at some point but I I didn't feel as if the cell was too much in your face it wasn't a
1: hard cell and they made that evident at the start actually they said look at the end I'm going to speak about X, Y and Z for a couple of minutes Uh if you're interested in finding out more you know come along uh, to speak to me at mm-hmm. the end, but that was it. Yeah. So, you know, he he spoke for a few minutes on what he was selling. Uh, yeah. Sort of Philip and uh-huh. Darren. Um, but other than that, that was it. Yeah. He didn't want to engage you any further. That was fine. Yeah and, you know, I did see a few people going up and and getting some more information. I I think
0: it's so important with these events is that there has to be value. Mm -hmm. So it has to work on many levels, in my view. It has to work on a networking level, so it has to be worth your while going there to see people who are interesting that you could maybe join venture with or or get work from or um, just hear their story. Uh, But there also has to be an opportunity for you to learn something yeah. uh, well so that's where the that speaker me on comes the speaker,
1: yeah yeah i mean i thought i forget his surname but michael from was it ad, AD plus, plus yeah, financial, financial
0: advisors yeah
1: very he, he came across very passionate about what he does Yeah, i agree with that very knowledgeable as well uh-huh. um, i actually learned quite quite a lot from the speaker and i was quite interested in what he had to say yeah um seen your question at the end <laughs> <just there>. uh, <laughs> yes I did Jonathan That's Williams from Brex podcast Motor yeah. Podcast uh. I don't
0: know if you've uh, when I got that as a trick to and it's worked for me and it's it's. when you're asking well you, you saw I was the only person who asked a question yeah, and yeah. it's one of these things and it harks back to I think um, when you were uh, at school and, and the teacher used to ask if there's any questions you always says oh for God's sake, don't ask me don't <laughs> ask me and your heart's pumping as you're trying to ask the question um, but it's an amazing way and I've certainly used this that and so few people do it, is that nobody ever actually introduces themselves mm-hmm. and they never actually say what you're doing. And so what I did there was obviously introduce myself as the host of the, the podcast. Yeah. And therefore, people would then know who I was before I actually went up to speak to them afterwards. Yeah. And so it was more an easier icebreaker because really what I was trying to do there at the meeting was to try and get more people, A, to listen to the podcast, yep. but B, more importantly, to get more people to come onto the podcast to do interviews, yeah. and it's, it's a much better way. And people, in fact, the times i have used it, people are actually coming up to you, and they can remember who you were. It's a little bit of an icebreaker. Yeah. You're sort
1: of breaking the ice with a full room uh-huh. at once as opposed to going up to everyone and sort of repeating yourself. Yeah. Well, nice, yeah. nice tactic. Yeah, so you should
0: use that, if you'd <laughs> use that. I'll give you that one for free. Yeah. Um, so listen, you'll see that we've put the recorder on, yeah. and, and so we've been just chewing the fat, and we've not even bothered to introduce you. Okay. So we better get over those niceties. Yeah. So it's Andrew, Andrew Hosey, yeah. and you are uh, working with Rent Locally. hmm Rent Locally are a franchise letting agents, and the only other thing I'll say is that you were previously based in West Lothian and you're now moving into the Glasgow area. Mm-hmm. So, tell us a little bit about well, where would you want to start? Do you wanted a bit of background first, and then into Rent Locally. Well, and I'll, rent I'll, locally I'll
1: explain sort of Rent Locally first. Yeah. Um, so Rent Locally is essentially a letting agency, mm-hmm. uh, predominant predominantly based in Edinburgh um, just now. Um, was a set up in sort of 2008 so essentially they're a a letting agency um their model for growth or one of their strategies for growth just now Mm. is selling franchises so I own one of those franchises Uh, I did own the West Lothian area I've sort of ported that across to Glasgow now whilst retaining the the business I have in West Lothian just now yeah and really, the focus for me, along with sort of two of the other franchises in Glasgow just now, is to um, begin to grow here. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not too complicated. The model it's essentially a letting agency with franchises, and there's a lot of autonomy built into to yeah. the franchises. It gives them a lot of freedom to grow in the way that they want. Um, you know, there are sort of overarching values that have to be. Followed with the franchises, but mm-hmm. sort of aligned to my personal values anyway. So it's not, it's, it's not like a dictatorship. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of uh, freedom and autonomy.
0: So, so they offer you a sort of um, backroom service with regards yeah. to organising all the legal niceties, mm-hmm. and really, it's down to you to bring the clients on on board. Exactly.
1: Yeah, it frees up my time uh, to purely focus on business development generating leads mm-hmm. meeting people uh, drinking far too much coffee during the day <laughs> and yeah so what they cover is things like maintenance finance any legal issues that come up the sort of rent collection um, mm-hmm. any rent chasing if that does arise Yeah. so they cover a lot of the admin which if you were to set up your own letting agency you would have to either deal with yourself or you would have to bring someone in to help you so it takes away that cost oh, obviously there is a you know cost to the, the franchise anyway for mm-hmm. that service but mm-hmm. marginal in terms of uh, you know it's quite, quite small margin in terms of if you were to do that yourself or if you were to bring someone in yeah so it does free up a lot of my time to purely focus on you know what's the best way to go about getting business and how do I get both my name and the Rent Locally brand known in the Glasgow area? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's a busy
0: market in Glasgow, it is. and I'd be interested just to get your take before we sort of, I guess, go back and delve into your background. Your take about how you're hoping to achieve growth in in a quite a, a busy marketplace.
1: Yeah, I mean say it's busy is maybe an understatement it's, <laughs> it's close to saturated probably yeah. um, but what that does is it forces agents to be more competitive and both in terms of the level of service that they offer and in terms of sort of prices so you know, landlords are probably going to be getting a little bit of a better bang for their buck mm-hmm. um, I believe it's saturated and Terms of how many agents there is in Glasgow. Yeah. However, I don't think there that it's saturated in terms of you know top tier agents who are purely focused on you know, working with their landlord, work, working with their client, and offering the best service they possibly can. There are discount agents out there. Mm-hmm. Um. But there is de- a definite market in Glasgow for people who want uh, something a little bit extra not just your you know, run-of-the-mill letting agent. Mm-hmm. They, they want something a little bit more.
0: And, and what you were saying to me earlier was that you take more of, a, I suppose, a holistic viewpoint mm-hmm. insofar as you're taking the, the, the client, the landlord, on a journey which will involve not only getting a tenant, looking after that tenant, but ultimately saying to the, the landlord, "Well, listen, how much are you paying for your mortgage? Yeah. When is that up? Do you not think that you should be maybe looking at trying to get a better rate? Um, and it goes on to insurance, and it goes to all aspects of the property, yeah. and you're trying to, to help them on those on those aspects as well.
1: Yeah, so typically when I sit down with a, a new landlord, or a new client, mm-hmm. rather, or not a new landlord, uh, a new client, if they've got a portfolio of properties, they are usually pretty tight in some areas they'll have their sort of, you know some remortgages that they've done lately mm-hmm. and they'll have an insurance policy that tends to cover them all but just sitting down with the landlord and going through each property going through what their cost is on each property where can I not tighten up myself but where can I say oh, you know you're you're paying quite a lot here for your mortgage mm mm-hmm you know, I've got a mortgage advisor that I work with or you should really speak to this person because they might actually be able to, to help you with uh, some other costs, even contractors that they use to do repairs on their property. Yeah. Do I know contractors that are gonna be able to save you a little bit of money there? Especially if you've got a portfolio where you have, say, ten to fifteen properties, I'd imagine that you'd want to have the same contractor doing all the work on each property Mm. and he would actually be able to work in some sort of discount for you for that business. So those are the type of nitty gritty things that I really look into to make sure that you're getting as much of that yield as possible. Uh Um, Yeah, we go down to sort of minimizing, you know, vacant periods, all all the sort of normal letting agent Mm -hmm. type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's obviously part of the sale, but the real USP is the relationship building and sitting down and really going through the portfolio, hmm. taking a, an actual interest and, and trying to make the landlord as much money as possible. Yes. Because ultimately, it is a business. It is about making money. Um, I need to justify my cost. So um, if I can save you know, more than I actually cost, that's always a, a good conversation to Absolutely. have with the client.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um yeah the the yield aspect is one that is clearly going to be coming into if it hasn't already come into very sharp focus in yeah. the next three years with the interest rates um, or, or the the, uh, the tax changes. So any ability that a letting agent has in order to increase that yield is is going to be a good thing. And I think probably moving forward, there will be an expectation amongst the landlord community that that's what they expect and yeah. they want more from their letting agent.
1: Well, that's the market that I look to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. Those are the type of landlords that I want to be working with. Yeah. Uh, that are taking a little bit more of a professional view on their their portfolio. You know, we do help sort of landlords that or the accidental landlord, if you you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, They can still get a tailored service that suits them, but the service does benefit those who have a portfolio most. But we would never turn away business, um, but we'd we'd always look to sort of sit down and tailor a service to everyone's individual needs. Certainly extracting the most value from your portfolio is paramount. Uh
0: Yeah. absolutely key. Okay, Um, what about... The new legislation that has come out, I've, I've been hearing all sorts of stories from estate agents and letting agents saying that they're just being bombarded by landlords to the extent that they're now, after the first 28 days, tenants can just walk after another 28 days. So you're six months short of short tenancy. It seems to be now very much geared towards the tenant yeah. um, rather than a middle ground and, and a lot of landlords that I'm speaking to are saying, listen, the, the game's up, I've, I've had enough. Have you got a, a view as to how the, the new legislation will have potentially affect the market?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we just have to have sort of a common sense conversation on it, really. Mm-hmm. Our tenants aren't looking to move in and move out immediately. Yeah. Um, certainly, if you do your due diligence when you're moving a tenant into a property, mm-hmm. you're going to cover things like how long they're looking to stay in the property. Yeah, um, you're going to get a feel for what kind of person they are. You know, do they work in the area? How easy is, is it is it for them actually just to be jumping around mm-hmm. the other family? Um, I think once you cover those things with your your client who possibly has concerns, you can actually put a lot of those concerns to to bed it certainly does benefit the tenant more than mm. the landlords just now. Yes. Uh, I don't see that changing. There seems to be a uh, an effort to make it more difficult for people to, um, one, become landlords and also stay as landlords. Yeah. So I actually am predicting a growth in more professional landlords where someone who already has a... I throw around the term professional landlord uh, but I mean someone who has like a portfolio mm-hmm. of, of properties I, I see people who have an existing portfolio growing that yeah uh, I think I think they'll find it easier to to bring properties on board um, and I sort of I'm thinking there's going to be a a reduction in the amount of sort of accidental landlords or you know, I've got the one property I've got the one flat that um me and my partner just keep. Mm-hmm. sort as of an investment, yeah, it's getting more difficult to deal with now. We're going to sell it, and those types of properties, I think, are going to be snapped up by the guys who already have um, a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, the it it does benefit the tenants uh, more just now, but I I don't think that it's going to be. I don't think it's going to change the market drastically, no. Okay.
0: The next question I want to ask you was in connection with um, the changes with the letting and the fact that you've got to go back to school and pass some exams. Yes. So how's that all going for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially it is... uh, It's a qualification that Uh letting agents now have to get. So... Specifically for us, we've had to have each franchise has to go out and get their own qualification as well, Right. uh, as with the core business. So as long as you do your studying, Mm -hmm. it's like sort of like back to school, (laughs) you know, study, do your homework. Yes. uh, um, Studying, uh, basically there's a a large textbook full of things that you basically just need to memorise pretty much know most of it anyway yeah, you but do. Yeah. The, the, the main things were just sort of the, the nuances and sort of different changes there's some scenario type questions uh, as well that crop up but if you're in the industry and you spend you know half an hour a night looking through the book you're not going to have any issues it yeah. shouldn't be
0: a, yeah. a great problem yeah.
1: it's yeah it's just another thing that makes it slightly more difficult for letting agents to run um, but very marginally more difficult.
0: I think what it will probably do is prevent letting agents coming into the market who aren't serious about it. Yeah. And it yeah. will also mean, as it happened with the mortgage industry, there will be a whole raft of letting agents saying, well, listen, that's not why I came into the market yeah. um, and I'm out of here. And, I, yeah. you know, well, good luck to them because it needs to get cleaned up. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, there's too many horror stories that we've heard over the years, um, with you know companies running off with the deposits, um, yeah. and you know dipping into the client account, using the client account to fund purchases, um, you know scam after scam, and so that is all going to get or is being cleaned up.
1: It is being cleaned up. Yeah, I, I, and there's a, a definite. I, I can see the argument for for doing it so it it will hopefully give our industry Mm -hmm. a little bit more of a sort of a gold stamp that we are all certified we you know we go through these exams uh, a little bit recognition for the professional services that we provide so Mm -hmm. um so that's positive i'd I'd say and um i'd say maybe the only difficult thing or the the only negative might be if you're a, a an agent or an agency that's just starting, and then you've got to go through all this, and that's that because the cost implications yeah, with yeah, regards to that because these, these
0: exams, I guess, won't be cheap.
1: No, they're not. Um, but it's, it's not even just the exam; it's buying the actual. Books, the study materials. Okay. There's, there's a cost to this yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, Quite substantial, actually. Um, just oh, for study materials. Yes, yeah. I mean, if
0: you've ever been involved in the online educational area, um, you'll know that it's not the sitting of the exams. It's no. it's the course. Um, it's the coursework. It's the uh, the documents, etc. I mean, that's the thing that bleeds you dry.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that would be my only concern. I've not thought about it enough to. To have more of a sort of stronger view uh-huh, on it, but uh-huh. you know, um, it, need it needs to issue. be done,
0: and so therefore yeah. it will just get done, and and
1: you'll move yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. So we've got until September for all, us all to be. Um, so the clock's yeah, ticking. Yeah, yeah, it's ticking away. Yeah, gotta get my pencil it and start, start revising. <laughs> there was never, never one that was great for revising when I was in, no. in school or, or doing homework or anything right. like that. Yeah. Pushed to
0: do that. Had yeah, to sort of do yeah. that. More uh, a strong a, kick. I'll, I'll do it at the last moment.
1: Or try and wing it. yeah.
0: Because property, you've come to property, you're how old? 25.
1: 25.
0: Yes. Still a young, young buck. Um, but you, property wasn't the first thing.
1: No, it wasn't. So you yeah. came
0: out of school. What did you you ended up going
1: so I came out of school I ended up working in a credit union so it's like a small community bank it's a financial cooperative as opposed to a bank yeah Um, I worked there for probably a year and a half Mm -hmm. um, and then actually joined uh, Public service. I'm oh, the public service.
0: And yeah. what part of the public service would that be? Yeah,
1: there's was a uh, Lothian and Borders Police. As ah, a, a right. Police Festival, yeah. Okay. Um, which is now Police Scotland after uh-huh. the amalgamation. Yeah. And yeah, I spent. What on earth? There.
0: Do, what on earth? Made you want to do that? Yeah.
1: Have you, have you got I, family here in the police? No, I no? didn't actually have too many strong reasons for going into. The police, actually. That's maybe why you're not. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time, and that, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why you're, you're not. you now. <laughs> 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 yeah. Right.
0: So and you did the training up at Tully Allen, Tully is Allen, that what they yeah. Had, right? The yeah, yeah,
1: Tully Allen, just uh, uh, outside our Uh huh. An interesting place. Yeah. It sort of kicks you into shape a little. Yeah. Um, nowhere near as bad as I'd, I'd imagine any of the actual. Guys in the army get it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, there was drill and uh, a lot of sort of study, of st- studying uh-huh. and learning and. There's uh, a lot of stupid people. <laughs> I'm just gonna think <laughs> how to st- structure this answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it a high Certainly bar? Certainly, when I joined Lothian and Borders, there was, there was a high bar, uh-huh. and it was. It took me the application process took me thirteen months to complete. Holy, holy. So various right. different um, stages that you had to go through. Mm-hmm. Because of the circumstances just now, I don't want to say that bars lowered, but it's significantly quicker to to join the police service now right. than it than it was at the time. Uh-huh. Um, some of the guys that are coming in just now. It's three to four months. Yeah, it's taking them from the day they send their application to the day they actually join Uh uh so I think that reflects a higher turnover of officers now in in Police Scotland Mm -hmm. but certainly Lovian and Borders Police was very high bar Um, I I think I was told at the time I was the youngest officer to join the force in five years so five years in in front of me was was some guy I joined that was the same age but Uh yeah so I, I joined pretty young but definitely worth it in terms of life experience and um, putting me into property actually because that's how I built up enough funding to buy my first buy to let so oh, right. so okay. there, we'll there, was, there was a, a, a good reason for it mm-hmm.
0: and so when you went in as I think most people who join the police they see that as a career and, and it goes can go in all sorts of different directions but for you how quickly did you realise that maybe this wasn't you were sold something, but actually what you were doing on a day-to-day basis wasn't necessarily what you were sold.
1: Yeah, certainly after the amalgamation of the eight forces into Police Scotland, mm-hmm. there was a definite shift in working environment. Right. And it sort of felt like... I don't want to speak for everyone but that's in the force, but it sort of felt like... Um, it was do more work for the same pay kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was piled on. Um, A a few other things, obviously, drastic reduction in police pension. There wasn't the sort of golden egg at the end of the tunnel anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were a couple of contributing factors. But you could say those were the push factors, but there were pull factors pulling me Um, towards them, one of them being obviously property, a little bit more uh, sort of autonomy being able to work a little bit more freely Mm -hmm. Um, the police service tends to be what you are, you're a police officer and you're a police officer when you go home you're a police officer when you're at work And
0: Did did you find that I've got various friends that I've grown up with who, who were in the police and what tended to happen was that because they were policemen, and because they had some of them had strange hours, they ended up making friends with policemen and then yeah. suddenly, your whole life yeah. surround was surrounded by people in the police yeah. and it became sort of quite or it, from the outside it appeared quite insular is this yeah, app- sure. did that seem to sort of start to happen for you definitely yeah, yeah.
1: it's it's uh so sort of, I don't know what the the right term is for it, but you're obviously socialising together, mm-hmm. and it becomes a, a little bit of a, clink's not the right word, but it's, you, you're sounding ideas off of each other that always um, tend to be in this one group, and the one group sort of, there is a term for it, but uh-huh. I, I can't, it's... So well, it's, the it's psychologists will have a field now. date with that kind of yeah, thing I would guess but it's very, it is very insular mm-hmm. um, you are sort of separate a lot of guys feel like they can't necessarily go out and you know, s- even socialise with people <laughs> as friends yes and, because so you, it a ends having yeah. a
0: slash down a, a, a lane and yeah. you know, think oh, I, can't, yeah. I can't look at that <laughs> yeah I mean
1: it, it gets taken a bit a bit far I think uh-huh. um, but that, that's Definitely one of the negatives, but on the flip side of that, you do form very strong bonds with the people that of you're sort of almost going through the struggle with. Now mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, uh, understand that.
1: So they're positive and negative, but I, I think there needs to be more balance and uh, a lot, a lot more support out there for people in public services that are dealing with just incredible, incredible amount of stress. Uh-huh. Um, sort of you hear figures thrown around all the time, but
0: you wonder you wonder if that will now start to come to light given the fact of the mindfulness movement and the yeah. depression coming out and, and the, the various things that are coming out in rugby at the moment and in sport in general, um with regards to, to that sort of psychological side of things.
1: Yeah, I mean in the in the police there was always someone off in stress. Uh-huh. And after Police Scotland I personally seen an increase in that just from people in the station I don't have any official figures Mm -hmm. Um, but certainly things like public sector stress even just stress in general working environments and also sort of post um, sport uh, Mm -hmm. where where there's a lot of uh, depression that sort of accompanies leaving a sport and um, having to deal with the fact that you no longer have that thing well, you don't that you were sort of fighting famous. for every day or yes. you were famous for uh-huh. the, you know, it's the, not that adulation yeah, yeah. suddenly so that's certainly something that seems pretty common among sportsmen and women mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. when they leave a sport almost this the lifting of this pressure is, leaves a vacuum for um, you know depression or um, other sort of mental illness uh-huh. it, and I don't know if it can be sort of similar to, you know, when people leave a a service, Uh, they're they're used to having all this pressure on them, and then when they leave, you know, it leaves that vacuum, and suddenly all the sort of bad thoughts start creeping in. So Uh um, I only speak about it because I know a few people that are in sport that have left it, that have really struggled, and obviously cops that have left, and, you know, they always sort of, are thinking back to when they were on the job, mm-hmm. so
0: because you come from we'll maybe touch on that later, but you come from a swimming background, so
1: yes. you know the amount
0: of of strain that you put your body through the early mornings, sort of four or five o'clock, um, the fact that you've got to have your your parents probably take you to the swimming pool, so there's a sort of stress there in that relationship. Um, no, I can I can understand that. Yeah, uh, but once I mean, that all
1: goes it it's difficult because you know i 've not reached a a level where i 've had such a an immense amount of pressure on me where there 's an expectation for me to to perform i I would always set my own expectations to perform mm-hmm. in certain you know competitions or sort of in in different events or throughout the calendar yeah but if you are someone who's at the top of their game and you've got fans and uh, there's an expectation for you to perform at a certain level mm-hmm. because you've done something in the past Yeah, and then you then leave the sport or or, or you don't perform uh-huh. that certainly has an impact on, yeah. on the mental state yeah. there's not enough actually I don't think there's enough support in sport for that kind of thing as well just sure. now but yeah, it can be difficult for for the guys in sport just now. Uh-huh. There's been a, a, few, a few different um, sort of swimmers that have spoke about it recently. Yeah. And sort of coming to terms with the fact that they've left the sport and sort of discussing their difficulties when they were at the top of their game. Mm. So, yeah, I'm surprised, of, you
0: know, all crazy looking at a black line. Yeah. All, <laughs> in if that's all your training is, is just looking at a black line all yeah, the time. It's, it's even pool. worse when
1: you've got the same song on repeat for two hours, just... Uh, I uh, trying to get rid of that but, yeah <laughs> well, let's talk property yeah. um you'd mentioned in the
0: passing about buy to let obviously you know into that mm-hmm. uh, side of things, so your first property buy to let t- t- talk us through walk us through that experience
1: yeah, well, I sort of got took a lot of the advice from people that were in my family um that had property or that um Sort of knew a little bit about the the industry mm-hmm. and decided how I wanted to go about it. So I just wanted to get a buy to let mortgage. So I bought a property in West Lothian, which I still have just now. Mm-hmm. Um, which basically has two bed ex council terrace uh, in a good area, attracts young families. So they are yeah, sorry that that's been sort of tenanted basically constantly for the past sort of five years, right. so I bought it quite young, uh-huh. it was quite difficult to get a buy to let mortgage. Yeah, because you be
0: 25 you You've been what, yeah. 20?
1: Yeah, so I in, I... in the police at that stage? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. so, that, so the that, was, that was the, the, the strength that, I, that yeah. I had was it was a secure uh-huh. job that I really...
0: And so was that the first property that you bought was a buy to let, you didn't buy another property and then that was your second property?
1: That was the first one right. that, I, that I managed to secure. Right. So okay. this was sort of before it was tightened up yes. in, in terms of securing properties, but yeah, I had yeah. a good mortgage advisor that I was working with uh-huh. and he managed to, to find me something that was going to work for my circumstances um, and the, the lender was happy to... To, to accommodate you.
0: So, so you got that one then. Um, and what was your major fear in going into the buy-to-let, what, what were you thinking, what kept you up at night thinking oh my god, I hope I don't have to fill in the blank? I
1: hope I don't have to pay this mortgage if no one's living <laughs> on the property. <laughs> right,
0: so <laughs> was it finding a tenant that was the yeah, big issue, I, or I, who's going to rent this?
1: I became very geeky in terms of mortgages and legislation, mm-hmm. but I didn't, Really, know too too much about sourcing tenants and, yeah. and letting agents and that whole sort of side of things. Mm-hmm. But it was actually rent locally. That, I right. that found me a tenant. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I had a chat with, with with them and they actually found me my first tenant.
0: So now poach your turn, gamekeeper. Yeah, exactly. And so, what's your portfolio looking at, at the moment? How many, have you got that, the so only one you've got, got you've got
1: a- one that I have as a buy to let Mm -hmm. um i was on the cusp of bringing another property on board Mm -hmm. however i actually used that that money that i had set aside to start rent locally
0: right buy into the franchise yeah yeah. right so it was it
1: was one or the other yeah sort of toss-up so I, i wanted an environment where i could be a little bit more sort of free and be able to do what I enjoy which is meeting people, building relationships mm-hmm. and, you know, giving them a, a good quality of service. So, Rent Locally at the time seemed like the the best option and, um, yeah, I'm happy to say it's still working.
0: Good, good. So, moving into Glasgow, have you yeah. got like sort of game plan as to how you're going to build Rent Locally in Glasgow? I yeah, if well, you could share that, that would be interesting.
1: I sort of mentioned to you before and it's, uh, really the the first sort of six months is a a definite effort to meet as many people in the Glasgow area as possible Mm -hmm. and start to build up relationships and by people I mean anyone that's coming into contact with landlords, professionals, mortgage advisors, solicitors, financial planners, etc. Those type of guys um, also meeting a few other agents in the area as well just to get their take on the market Mm -hmm. and we're in the industry so why can't we meet and have a a coffee and a chat and get each other views so also work alongside the other two franchises so there's three franchises with rent locally in Glasgow and the surrounding areas so work quite closely with uh, both Michael Quinn who has a franchise here and David Watt who also has a quite a successful franchise just now so um, work quite closely with those guys and see if we can really start to increase the brand awareness in Glasgow mm-hmm. but certainly for me first six months is meet as many people as possible build mm-hmm. as many relationships as possible yeah. as opposed to how many properties can I bring on the books in the first six months yes yeah. so we've got that leeway in that there is existing business in West Lothian that's sort of fueling the the, the new fire as it were mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. okay um so if I was able to help you, then it would be introductions to those people yeah. that you had, had mentioned. Yeah, okay.
1: absolutely. Okay. Um, introductions to anyone who's in the industry as yep. well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Speak to as many people as possible and learn from as many people as possible. Yeah. I'm obviously conscious that you know I'm new to property in the sense that I've only been in it for what, two or three years. Mm-hmm. If I can meet someone who's been in the industry 20 plus years, they've got knowledge that's going to be invaluable. So those are the type of guys and women that I want to meet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Learning and building relationships. Definitely. So
0: very much getting out there, pressing the flesh, speaking to those who are in the industry. um, And those are the people that you'd like to meet.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Good
0: good and what about your portfolio then are you thinking of of hopefully trying to expand that what what do you where
1: where do you see that going it's an itch that I will scratch Uh 100% focus just now is on On the the business business yeah so yeah that's a short answer okay (laughs) um so these
0: do you have goals that you've set out as to where you want to be in 12 months time in, in 18 months time what are you doing with regards to that goal setting kind of thing
1: I do have goals I do write them down Uh Um, and I also write the process of how to achieve them right so you know one of the processes just now is I've got uh, the goal is to build as many relationships I can within the first six months of being in Glasgow you know how am I going to do that I'm going to list all the mortgage advisors I'm going to list all the financial guys Yeah. Um, I'm going to Basically, speak to as many of them as possible mm-hmm. that I can myself, yeah. and get their recommendations on who I should speak to as well. So that would be a simple. Uh,
0: so you've got that, those identified, yeah. and then you will be making however many calls a day to see if you could yeah. speak to these people, and then set up meetings and, and move it from there.
1: Exactly, and I think you know that's probably the best way to go about, or I think it's the best way to go about getting known in an area where you've not sort of operated in mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. And certainly if I can warm it up by getting an introduction uh, I'll always try and do that mm-hmm. but um, sometimes you do just have to pick up the phone and you know it's cold but my uh-huh. name is so and so I work with how do you how do you do uh, that because I
0: spent certainly probably the first three or four years of my legal career doing exactly what you're doing phoning up and to t- t- Extent I still do that, yeah. um, phoning up. It was mortgage brokers back in the day when I had my legal hat on, um, and it was quite, quite well. It was difficult, um, but to a certain extent, I I enjoyed it. And I think you've yeah. got to have some sort of perse- perverse pleasure in in doing that. Yeah. Otherwise, for a lot of people, cold calling is just something they would rather stick needles in their eyes.
1: Well, it's, I think you've got. A- get over the fear of rejection I mean what's uh-huh. the worst that can happen yes. really if they say no and call you a few nasty names but uh-huh. you know I'm I'm in a position where I've potentially got something to offer as well as opposed to me trying to sell you something on the yes. phone so yes. I, I wouldn't say it's as difficult as being cold call sales uh-huh. uh, but certainly you know, no, no one likes to be, be told no like we're lying to ourselves yes if, if if we
0: did. There's something in sales that says, in some respects, you would rather be told no earlier because Definitely. you're not then wasting yeah. you know, what could be hours, if not days, trying to call up somebody who, who actually don't have the balls to turn around and say, you know what, I'm not interested, exactly. go, go away.
1: You don't want to spend time on someone who's going to constantly skirt around mm-hmm. saying no yeah. uh, and you have to kind of coerce a no out of someone. Yes. Yeah, if someone says no, not interested. That's yeah, useless. Well, that's fine. Uh uh-huh. But I think, uh, yeah, people just have to get over the fear of rejection. If uh-huh. you on sale certainly. But you know, I'm phoning up guys like yourself, and you know, p- potentially being a- able to offer you something. So um, it's it's not as difficult a conversation.
0: Yeah, I think that's what you've got to come across as being. Certainly, I've tried to do this whenever I've made cold calls. Is to try and offer value to the person that not come across as trying to sell anything at all because ultimately what you've got to do is you've got to first of all get that rapport you'll know whether or not you've got the rapport with the person because Clearly, nobody's going to sell you and give you anything, give you any work unless they like you. And they're yeah, not going to like you unless you've got a rapport. To, yeah, so yeah. once you've got the rapport, then you've got the relationship. And then, and only after that, once you've got the relationship, there may yeah. be some work that comes out of that. But I think, from my point of view, you've always got to be giving. And yeah. there cannot be, I don't think, an, expect- an expectation on yourself that you're going to get anything back
1: yeah, you've got to sort of give. It's like a relationship you don't give to receive. Yeah, you're yeah, given because yeah. you, you. But that's difficult though. That's it's, difficult. But, but then I think it's it's pretty obvious that you've struck up this relationship because you think there's a, an opportunity for 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 you personally to you know generate business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that just goes without saying. So it's not like the the person that you're, you're working with or you're giving business to is going to be oblivious to that, um, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, no, that makes perfect sense. But it's the hardest thing to continue to give somebody something and you're not getting anything back. Because, listen, I cannot believe that there's nobody out there. So, for example, if I had a business to give to a solicitor Mm -hmm. okay and uh, I gave him lead after lead after lead and I got nothing back there would come a point and it's hard not to come to that point that you say you know what I'm not getting anything back but that's the wrong attitude because he might not be able to give you a mortgage he might be able to give you a name that will unlock something else he might so to a certain extent What you're looking for is not necessarily fee-earning income, but even just a name, that you can then go behind him, get into his sphere of influence, and then tap into that, because there'll be somebody out there, in my case, who will need a mortgage. There will be somebody out there who needs to rent property. Um,
1: So, I mean, I suppose it comes back to how much weight you put on the relationship. If you're purely looking for it to be transactional and for you to... One for one. Yeah. Uh Then it's 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 not going to work. work. It's not going to work. No. So it might be that you have relationships with people that you only give leads to. Mm -hmm. That's fine. As long as you value that relationship, then it doesn't really make too much of a difference Uh because there will be someone out there who's giving you more leads then you pass them. You might not. Be it able works. To, but
0: you're co- yeah. you're quite right. You're yeah. quite right. Whilst you're not getting anything back from them, the the converse might be true that you're getting something from somebody you, else. You might
1: feel bad that you can't pass someone a lead because you've received one, but uh-huh. that's just how it is. And yeah. I think if you're able to say to them, "Look, I've not got anybody that I can actually pass to you physically," you know. Here's a name. How else can I help you? Yeah. Is there anything else that I can do to help?
0: So so not only do you have to go to the person um, and give if you're giving them the leads, you give them the leads, but I think you need to identify to them how they can help you and almost try and help them to help you. Exactly. Because sometimes they will have so many people that they could Get, could, could help you but because they don't know what you're actually looking for yeah. it's impossible then for them to give you anything yeah. I find that I'm a member of the BNI and the BNI is very much about this thing called giver's game which yeah. means that you give, give, give and you know if you get something back that's great but you're giving okay? Yeah. because ultimately from the, well, the what you're will saying you, that's like, right yeah. Yeah, it's all very American yeah. um, but it does work I and mean, I've been in for two or three years and I do think that it does work um, but what and they encourage you to do this thing called a one-to-one so you stand up on a, on a Friday as I do it and you do a 60 seconds and you say to the room you have to be specific yeah. um, so I say I want, to see, I want to speak to letting agents, solicitors um, and, and mortgage brokers or whoever and then I give them a specific name and everybody to a man and woman writes the name down and I don't generally get much back from that but when I do a one-to-one, yeah. which is what we're having at the moment, and I say, and, and there's this question that we all ask, of, well, how can I help you? And I, I say that exact thing that I've been saying for the last yeah. six weeks, and they turn around and say, oh, I didn't know you were looking for that. So you, you actually have yeah. to, to engage in the yeah. pe- with the people, and you, can in- and you have to then create that rapport, relationship. And then once you've got that, then it's much easier
1: I think if you're sitting in front of a person having a, conversi- a conversation like we are mm-hmm. in sort of a long a long form conversation yeah, yeah. Um, It's very engaging you You kind of read each other's body language mm-hmm. if you're sitting in a group, you tend to sort of the mind wanders slightly and yes. you might he- hear certain things you might not pick it up mm-hmm. if people are standing up and they're nervous about giving you know a sixty second. They're more concerned
0: about that than they are about listening to anything else. They're more concerned about
1: saying, uh, grasping the attention of the room and saying, right guys, I need this, this and this. Can you help me this week? This is a little bit about the business, obviously. Uh You you, you know most of that anyway, but can you find me X, Y and Z? And if you're slightly nervous about asking for that in front of the group, yeah. you're, you're probably not going to be nervous about having a co- one-on-one conversation with no. someone, so that might detract from the, the whole group setting. But certainly, in a, a one-on-one um, conversation, it's it's a lot easier to to read someone and, mm-hmm. and and actually bounce ideas off each other. Yeah, and you know, sort of meander through a conversation as a as opposed to people sort of daydreaming. Uh huh.
0: Uh huh. we there. we all been there. Yeah. Uh, what about mentoring? Has anybody helped you throughout your your career? I mean, you, you obviously went into the police uh, and then found property. Anybody who has, has helped you along the way that you've thought, gosh, if I hadn't stood on their
1: shoulders, I'd really be struggling? Um, yeah. I'd say I've had more mentors in sport than I've had in necessarily property Yeah, I've definitely had and sort of the sports mentors have have more taught me values that I've been been able to apply to to, to business as opposed to yes, there being I a direct, direct link yeah, it's yeah. been more passive yeah, yeah. Um, there's definitely been guys in property that have given me some great advice and mm-hmm. that I've worked with that I've sort of been a, a mentoring role but it, yeah. it's amazing
0: that when you get in and, and compete at, at any sport to a reasonable level that there is so much that you learn by playing that sport and so much that you learn by speaking to mentors that is transferable yeah and and that's I think why you'll find that top sportsmen generally are very good at business
1: yeah no there, there's a definite if you can apply the hunger and the fight drive that you had in your sport mm mm-hmm to a business then, and and you're doing it in a smart way it's something you're passionate about then it's it's almost the perfect formula Mm -hmm. it'll take time but these individuals tend to know that it's not going to be easy that you're going to have to fight the the lows and sort of try and ride the highs Uh so Uh there's definite benefits to being involved in sport and Taking those skills definite transferable skills yeah. I relied heavily on my sporting background to actually get into the police uh, it's very the, the police interview pro, uh, sort of process is very competency based so there'll be a set of competencies that they, they would look to get scenarios from you on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, still being quite young yeah. I didn't have too much work experience I had to rely heavily on um experiences outside the workplace and a lot of them came back to being involved in sport yeah yeah so yeah there's definite transferable skills that can be used
0: okay good good and the swimming you're getting back into your your yeah, swimming you were saying yeah. earlier
1: so just joined city of glasgow swim team um managed to make it into their um, top squad somehow yeah, sort of had to pay the coach <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I so, mean, city of
0: Glasgow, as you were telling me that the city of Glasgow is you may be top there's there's top three swim clubs in in Scotland yeah, I certainly rank them in the top three, yeah
1: yeah um d- most definitely, yeah, I'd certainly put them top three uh-huh um I've managed to get into the their sort of top squad, so started there in August, got a few goals for the the season I want to compete in a few competitions that I've I've not been to before so yeah it's looking looking good so far we're on the correct trajectory I think Good. My coach might
0: say that for it, but yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, I see that my uh, battery is beginning to show low, so yep, we'd better yep. walk you through to the exit. Yep. Um, just We'll run through the first, uh, the, the 10 questions that we always ask mm-hmm. our guests. If you've ever listened to the podcast, you'll know these are coming. Yep. So, first job?
1: Um, credit, credit union. union yeah. okay. yeah. Credit um, union worker
0: was my title. Right. Yeah. And f- first arrest?
1: first arrest right? <laughs> I didn't see this one coming <sighs> I can't remember it it's not it obviously wasn't exciting it was probably right. a shoplifting or a sort of small fraud or right. something like that but yeah there, there, there was there was quite a lot of arrests uh-huh. yeah, it's very very common <laughs> <laughs> first
0: medal sporting medal or otherwise
1: sporting medal I think it was actually for football All right. I have a memory of must have only been about 5 or 6 receiving a little trophy I think it was more of a participation trophy oh you millennials millennials.
0: it's all about the participation (laughs) (laughs) and first year football would it be first year football golf or football football yeah
1: yeah. so I'd probably say if I had to pick a team I'd say Celtic
0: right but yeah
1: that's, that's all I'd say Good. Don't want to be
0: um, too polarised. <laughs> we come to the west, yeah, so okay. you've already lost half your audience. a uh, um,
1: First car, uh, Renault Clio. Okay. Uh, 6
0: How much did you pay for that? Four
1: thousand.
0: Four thousand pounds, right? So it must have been a decent, a well, decent runner.
1: Yeah, it was. It was good. Lasted me a good few years. Okay. So.
0: Registration yeah. number.
1: S-B-O-6-O-V-O. Everyone
0: knows that. Yeah. Uh, first amongst equals, which is all about books, what but are you I, reading I at the moment? I
1: should have said Sierra Bravo zero 06. Very good, very good.
0: You can't take the boy out of whatever. I love that. So, first amongst equals books, what are you reading at the moment?
1: I listen to a lot of audiobooks as opposed to reading. So, yeah, Audible, um, I'm actually not listening to any just now. Uh, the most recent one was God Is Not Great. Um, I've, I'm listening to... Uh, sorry, I am actually listening. I'm listening to Christopher Hitchens' memoir, Hitch 22 Okay. Uh, which is really interesting. Right. Um, that's the only one I'm listening to just now, but I tend to listen to podcasts more Yeah. as opposed to actually audiobooks.
0: Good, good. Um, and first client, first uh landlord client that you got to rent locally
1: um do you want his name no 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 no. <laughs> just how did you go about getting them uh so it was a, it was about a week after the business was set up actually uh-huh. and it was a cold call for was advertising his property on gumtree and i said that looks like a pretty all right good so you called him up oh, Excellent. Yeah, so i called him up and good. managed to bring him on board Great. he's still a client just now he's got a couple of properties good. with me
0: Good, good. Well, listen, um, it's been great talking to you. I'm, I'm sure that uh, you'll make an absolute roaring success at Rent Locally. You've certainly got um, the, the gumption um, and the ability to be able to to, to hit that market. And uh, yeah, wish you all the best. We'll Thanks ha- very we'll much. We'll have to have you Thank on you. again soon. Thanks, Jonathan. Cheers. So that was Andrew. Hosey, I'd actually had a chat with Andrew, that was the second conversation I'd had with him and it was really good to get to know him a little bit more in the second interview it was in fact when we pressed the record button it was the second interview that we had with him and uh, I'm sure he'll do well, he's come obviously through from West Lothian and uh, I'm sure if you can all give him um, a great deal of support then I'm sure he'll be a huge success. I certainly have seen him around the networking events and no doubt you'll bump into him, I'm sure. In fact, the last time I saw him was at a PPN event and you'll know if you're looking at uh, LinkedIn and Facebook that the PPN, the next event, is on on the 26th of this month and I'm going to do a little bit of a talk on limited company buy-to-lets. I'm going to do something on that. Also going to have a chat to the audience with regards to portfolio landlords and and in essence give an overview of the market. I've heard that mortgage works are looking potentially to come back into the market with regards to limited company buy-to-lets. I think if that happens and they start Um, moving that out to the whole market then that could be a potential game changer and you may well find that they are the first of many lenders who are prepared to dip their toe back into limited company buy to lets and then there's a company called lend invest who are sniffing about looking at giving really good quality um, interest rates which are sort of competing with the likes of precise. I mean at the moment you're looking at probably precise Aldermore, Shawbrook and Lend Investor, the four go-to lenders. So it'd be interesting just to add the, the other one of Mortgage Works and see where that goes. I'd had a conversation with Jane Buck and she's come on to the show, we'll probably fire out that Interviewed, spoke with her probably about 10 days ago so we'll get her take on her strategy, her backstory, and how she's moving forward. We're just back from Dunblane we are looking at the training cycle is going pretty well we're now in week 7 as far as the training cycle for the Highland Fling is concerned my knees are holding up and the body seems to be holding up which is great and uh, Kenny Martin Kenny Martin whose wife Sandra Martin runs the company on the uh, serviced accommodation he's an architect and I've been invited along to do well he's doing a a a seminar in connection with land development or land development workshop so i'm going to pop into that next week and see how that goes so it's busy 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 at the moment um, the fca are still chuntering away with the application and uh yeah hopefully over the next week or so we'll get the direct authorization numbers and then we can really start cracking ahead with the mortgage side of things so i'm going to kick off here i've got to go out for another run Um, you've been listening to the Bricks and Mortar Mm. podcast it is your property podcast as ever we're trying to take a sideways look at property we'll catch you next week